Please be seated. Members and former members of Good Shepherd Congregation here in Lincoln, family and friends that have gathered here today to hear Pastor Poppy's last sermon, grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. As I looked at the appointed readings for today, the ninth Sunday after Trinity, saw that the gospel reading was the parable of the unjust steward, I thought, well, that's going to be a really difficult text to preach on for a final sermon. Now, the, the owner has mercy, but that's stretching it just a little bit. Pastor Moline says, you have much freedom in this area. You've got a whole Bible that you can preach on. I looked at the uh, epistle reading for today. Those hard words from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might desire, not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. And I thought, well, I can certainly preach on that text. It's a little harsh, but that's a good start. Then the Old Testament reading from 2 Samuel 22. Beautiful text. Right smack dab in the middle we read, This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. The word of the Lord proves true. The Word, the Word, the Word. Maybe you've heard that a time or two over the last 26 years. All three of our appointed readings made me think the mercy of God, rank idolatry, and the power of the Word of God made me think of a part of God's Word that we don't normally go to. It's not a part of our normal readings, but a marvelous section of Scripture. 2 Kings chapter 22. And if you really want to get down to it, it's chapter 21, 22, and 23. A marvelous account. A marvelous narrative of what happened. When the word of God is forgotten and rank idolatry takes over. These are difficult times. If you think about it politically, we have political faction after political faction. The factions lead to political upheaval. You turn on the news, you open up a newspaper, and you wonder what bombshell or scandal is going to drop next. This political upheaval has led to dead politicians. 
were dead associates of politicians. Nobody knows what happened. If you claim to know, then you're a conspiracy theorist. These are difficult times politically, but not only politically. These are difficult times economically. There's economic uncertainty. There's runaway inflation. If we're going to get right down to it, there's economic chaos. Who is controlling the money? Who is making all these decisions? But we have not only chaos with regard to politics and economics, all throughout the world, wars and rumors of wars, shadow wars, who's funding the wars, who's really aligned with who, who can you trust? Well, you may think that I'm talking about today. There's nothing new under the sun. What I'm referring to are the events about 20 or 30 years before and 20 or 30 years after, 700 B.C. Maybe you've heard some of these names or remember them from your daily devotions or Sunday school time. The prophet Isaiah. The prophet Habakkuk. The prophet Zephaniah. Or some of the more obscure names of the kings of this time. King Hezekiah. Eh, not too bad of a guy. King Manasseh. A scoundrel. An idol worshiper. An idol worshiper who sacrificed his own son before the altar of Baal. Manasseh's son, Amon. Amon was even more wicked than his father. So wicked, in fact, that people rebelled and they murdered him. They assassinated him right in his own home. And when Amon was assassinated, his son became the king. His son was only eight years old. All of the politicians and advisors thought, now we can have our way. Now we can be the shadow government behind the propped up king. King Josiah assumed the rule when he was eight years old. But King Josiah would not be like his father or his grandfather or his great-grandfather. King Josiah believed the Word of God and acted accordingly. Under the reign of King Josiah, which you can read about in 
2 Kings 22 and 23, and in 2 Chronicles 33, 34, and 35, amazing things happened. You see, the people had begun to worship false gods, lots of false gods. There was Baal, there was Ashtoreth, there was Molech. Ashtoreth was signified by a totem pole-like structure. Not only did they worship these major false gods, but they created an even new worship where they worshiped the signs of the zodiac. They worshiped the sun and the moon and the stars. Every conceivable thing in the world was worshiped. It wasn't worshipped out there. They brought it into God's house. They set up statues and altars inside of God's house. They had false prophets from these false gods preaching and teaching in God's house. Temple prostitution in God's house. Every imaginable evil that you can think of in the name of God, was going on in God's house. Under King Josiah, all of the false idols were removed and destroyed. Under Josiah, all of the false prophets were removed and put to death. Under Josiah, the temple was returned to the way God wanted it to be and all false, foolish, silly worship was driven out. And the true worship of the true God was restored. How did it happen? How did it happen that surrounded by rank idolaters coming from a long family line of pagan rank idolaters, how did Josiah end up being such a good guy? A guy that is often referred to as the great reformer of Scripture or the Martin Luther of the Old Testament. 2 Kings chapter 22, beginning at verse 8. And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book and Shaphan read it before the book king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahakem the son of Shaphan and Achbor the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the secretary and Uzziah the king's servant saying, Go and inquire of the Lord for me. 
Can you imagine that? Kind of like a pastor cleaning out his office after 25 years, moving a bookshelf or a wastebasket or a bookcase and discovering something that you forgot you had. In cleaning out the church and doing some restoration work, they found the book of the law. Do you know what that means? They found the Bible. They found the Word of God. How did it get lost? How did it get forgotten? How did it get relegated into such a meaningless piece of work? It may be hard for us to imagine. It may be hard for us to imagine how the people of God who had witnessed the miracles of God could forget about God and forget about His Word. But maybe it's not that big of a stretch after all. Remember, there's nothing new under the sun. How easy it is for us who live in a land of plenty to take the good gifts that God has given us and turn these good gifts into idols. Our property, our possession, our income, our land, our job, our intellect, our house, our money, our stuff. And after a while, of having our things consume us, pretty soon our things are what drive us and what motivate us. We have fallen into rank idolatry because we have forgotten the Word of God. Oh, we may not have statues set up in our house or sitting on our dashboard, but we have them in our garage, or in our basement, or in our closet, or in our bank account, or portfolio. We're very clever at the idols we create. And when we lose our sense of who God is and what God says, our world, our lives, turn into chaos. We need no authority. We are our own authority. I have better words than the Word of God. We know how easy it is for this to happen in our lives. The reason this happens, we have forgotten the Word of God. We have forgotten who God is. We have lost the Word of God. It was years ago. My wife and I were in high school. I had just turned 16. My oldest brother gave me a car. 
1957 four-door Chevy station wagon. And so shortly after I got my driver's license and I had my car, Barb and as many classmates as we could pile into the station wagon, we headed to Omaha, to the Omaha Civic Auditorium. Why? Because the Beach Boys were in concert. <laughs> and it was one of those concerts that they used to have, maybe you've heard about them, where there were no assigned seats. First come, first serve. We were there hours. I mean like four or five hours before the concert began. We weren't the first ones there, but we were pretty darn close. And we talked and we laughed and we had a great time. And all of a sudden, as we looked behind us, there were not hundreds of people there. There were thousands of people lined up and waiting to get into this concert. Finally, we could hear some rattling behind the doors. There were about eight or ten doors on the front of the Omaha Civic Auditorium. You know what they did? They opened up two of them. There was a mad crush and push to get in the doors. We were close, but not quite close enough. We were caught up in this crush. People squeezing us all around. People in front of us getting pinned up against the doors. A few at a time trickling in and not caring about anybody behind them or the catastrophe that was about to happen. Racing to the stage so they could sit in the front. We got into the second row. Relatively unscathed. What is it that would cause people to act that way? To be ready to sacrifice their life for something so temporal as a two-hour concert. Oh, I still have one of the drumsticks that the Beach Boys drummer passed out. We were so close to the stage. Nobody cares. That's how temporal. That's how temporary the things of this world are. They just don't last. I was reminded about that push at the Beach Boys concert a few years ago. When, just down the road on Old Cheney, lo and behold, Dunkin' Donuts came to South Lincoln. Some of you will remember this. You could not drive down Old Cheney. There was such a traffic jam. It wasn't for a day. It wasn't for days. It was for weeks. People were lined up. Traffic was blocked so they could get into Dunkin' Donuts. It was a fad. It wore off. No long lines of people or cars anymore. What was it that caused people to act so crazy and so insane? To work so hard 
for something so temporary and temporal, like a donut and a cup of coffee that your body would digest in only a few hours. What is it that would cause us to spend hours on a Netflix binge or in front of our favorite video game or on Facebook or the Twitter or Instagram or anything else that you can come up with And when you sit right down to it, everything like that is of temporary value. And yet it seems so important. My friends, it's not just the people in 2 Kings 22, the people in 700 B.C. that have become rank idolaters. It's you and me. It's you and me. How does that happen? It happens when we forget the Word of God. The Word of the Lord endures forever. And because it endures forever, we act like it's no big thing right now. The word of the Lord endures forever. And it is precisely because the word of the Lord endures forever that the word of the Lord is for the now. The word of the Lord is for the now because it is of lasting value. It is forgiveness, life, and salvation for you, for me, and for the life of the world. You have heard me for years use the phrase, the word, the word, the word. It wasn't original. I stole it from Luther. The word, first and foremost, is the eternal word, the eternal logos. John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with us. And the Word was God. And the Word took on flesh and blood and made His dwelling among us. The second person of the, the Trinity, the eternal Word, took on flesh and blood the incarnation to save us from our sin. The Word, first and foremost, is Jesus the incarnate Son of God who lived a perfect life, not breaking any of the sins, no idolatry of any kind. He fulfilled God's Word for you and me. Jesus, the Word of God in human flesh, takes all of our sins, yours and mine and the sin of the world, all of our rank idolatry, all of our false perceptions and preconceived notions, all of our mixed up priorities. He takes our sin into Himself and onto Himself, all the way to Calvary's cross, bleeding and dying, the death we deserve for the life 
of the world. Jesus, the Word made flesh, does not stay dead. Three days later, He rises from the dead, never to die again. Proving that your sin is gone once and for all. That is the Word. But in God's great love, He gives us the Word in written form. He gives us the Holy Scriptures. The inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. I don't know how many people tell me how many times they watch YouTube videos. They get everything they need to know from a YouTube video. Something on Google. They'll watch it. They'll watch it for hours on end. They'll believe it. They'll trust it. Everything they see. My friends, people lie. It's possible that what you watch on the evening news or read in your newspaper or view on your YouTube, uh, YouTube video may not be 100% accurate. How do you know? You can't. You're always in a state of uncertainty. God is not a God of doubt. God is not a God of uncertainty. He wants you to be sure. He wants you to be certain. And so He gives you His Word. His Word of law and gospel. The law which exposes our sin and the gospel which washes it away. He gives us His Word that we can cling to. Not only for the forgiveness of sins, but for guidance on knowing what is the right way to order our life. What is the right morality? What is the right ethic? God doesn't leave it up to choice. He teaches us because He loves us. The Word, Jesus Christ. The Word, the Bible. And the Word. The third Word is what Luther referred to as the visible Word. Where God takes His inspired, inerrant, life-giving, life-changing Word and attaches it to simple things like water, bread and wine, the words of your pastor. God delivers the deliverance in this way. He delivers the goods. The forgiveness of sins in holy baptism. Adopting you into His family. Marking you as His own. He gives you that guarantee of His love as He speaks words of forgiveness into your ear through your pastor's voice. He gives you the most special, precious meal in the world. Sorry, Duncan. He gives you the very body and blood of Jesus in, with, and under bread and wine for forgiveness, life, and salvation. The Word, the Word, the Word. My friends, things are changing here at Good Shepherd.
But remember, the more things change, the more things remain the same. Your pastors will deliver to you that same word, 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 day in and day out, Sunday in and Wednesday out. The best way to ensure yourself that you do not fall into the same trap that we see in 2 Kings 21, where the Word of God is completely forgotten, is to come to church, to hear the Word of God, to make it a priority in your life. You honor God when you obey the third commandment and come to church. You honor the Word of God when you hunger and thirst for it. Honor your pastors by not forcing them to preach to empty pews. My friends, the Word of the Lord endures forever. The word of the Lord is for the now. The word, the word, the word. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, our words our congregation, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. We stand and sing the offertory.